Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, where my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Paul Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio, powered by Molka Sports. We've got a great guest on our show this week, Nigel Travis. He is the chairman of the board of Duncan Brands. He sits on the board at Papa John's. He's worked with Burger King and a number of huge brands. He's also the chairman and co-owner of Leighton Orient FC. They play soccer in London. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation, especially if you are into big brands and how people market themselves. Also, hearing from a co-owner of an English football club is going to be interesting for many of our American listeners as well. So uh, that's coming up on our show today. I'm joined by Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? Doing good. I enjoyed this interview with uh, Nigel because he's just these big brands. It's kind of fun to get behind the closed doors and find out how they you know choose to do their marketing and how they come up with their ads. And there's so much involved with these big time brands. So very interesting interview. Well, and this was another one of those interviews like Eric Musselman about a month, month and a half ago where uh, Nigel Travis listens to sports business radio and his people reached out and said he'd love to come on the show with you. So I am flattered that someone of his uh, caliber and experience would want to come on sports business radio. You know, we've had Mark Cuban on lately and Bubba Watson and just some great guests. So uh, this is another one that I know you'll enjoy. Griggs, uh, a few headlines first. Good job, everyone. Record turnout for voting for this past election. So that's a good thing when everyone gets out there and votes. So good job on that. Speaking of voting, the National Basketball Players Association Board of Representatives on Thursday night voted to approve a plan for a December 22nd start to the NBA season. It includes a reduced 72-game schedule clearing the way for the league and the union to finalize details on that 2020-21 season. This is according to multiple sources. Griggs, you know, we had talked on our show last week about if you start on December 22nd versus starting on January 18th, it's about a difference of $500 million to a billion dollars. One of the big triggers is all the clubs have deals with RSNs and the RSNs demand a minimum of 70 games in most cases for those contracts to be fulfilled. So if you're playing a 50 game season, now you're not honoring the full RSN contract. The Lakers do have like an a la carte per game type of agreement with Time Warner Cable. 
But that 70 game mark was a big trigger for these TV deals uh, in the NBA. Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. And like we've talked about with these big deals, it's always you know, money is what pushes it. And sure enough, you just gave that stat with how much money it is just in that difference between the 22nd of December and January 18th or whatever it is. So yeah, it's not surprising that they pushed to get it done in, in December. And uh, I'm excited. I mean, that means basketball is coming back here in a little bit over a month and a half. Let's go. The other thing that I've heard from a number of different sources is I think the NBA is going to relax some of their sponsor policies on things like hard liquor, CBD, and casinos. So if the green light comes from the NBA and that's a way they can infuse more revenue for these teams, I think you're going to see those categories start to get purchased by the league and the team. So watch out for that. Um, Another headline before we get to the interview with Nigel Travis, Griggs, the Las Vegas Raiders have been fined $500,000 and stripped of a six round pick in the 2021 draft. Coach John Gruden has been fined an additional $150,000 by the NFL for one uh, for what they're calling brazen and repeated violations of the COVID-19 protocols. We've seen other teams fined, but Griggs, so far, the Raiders are the leader in the clubhouse with fines $1.185 million in COVID-19 protocol fines. You wonder when they're going to get the clue. Yeah, Coach just has a hard time keeping that mask up over his face because every time they flip to him, he's over there arguing with the mask down. I'm like, you're going to get fined again, and here we go. The Raiders are racking it up in Vegas. Yeah, the Steelers got fined too, and head coach Mike Tomlin. The NFL has been on this, so if you're walking around without your mask on, if you're yelling at officials, uh, if you're seen at events or in your facility without your mask on, and it's pretty brazen, you know, it's one thing to like take a sip of water and have your mask down. It's another thing to just be walking around without your mask on. And we're seeing, you know, the Atlanta Falcons had to shut down their facility late last week. Teams are having to shut down in the NFL almost weekly for COVID. And by the way, I know I said this last show, but this week is different. This was the largest week of COVID cases in the U.S. since March. So the numbers are going the wrong way. Pro sports isn't immune to COVID cases. So these leagues like the NFL that really want to make it through the season, they're cracking down every time they see people who are uh, violating the COVID protocols. Yeah, I think that's key. I mean, we're seeing, like you said, teams are having to shut down facilities and practices every week. So obviously, cases are kind of still there. They're not going They're not going down, like you said. So they got to enforce this. They got to push the laws on the uh, the masks and the leagues because they're doing everything they can to keep these seasons going. All right. I want to announce something very quickly. On our next show next week, we are going to have a virtual sports business radio roadshow presented by Boingo. This is going to be a good one. It's going to be on the podcast. You're also going to be able to watch it on the YouTube channel. Our November 17th show, we drop pods every Tuesday. Um, Abby Wambach, soccer legend Julie Ehrman, who is the president of Angel FC, the new NWSL team in Los Angeles. They are going to join me. Don Callahan from Boingo will also join the conversation. This is going to be great, Griggs. What Angel FC... Angel City FC is doing in Los Angeles uh, is really going to change the blueprint, not only for women's sports, but for sports in general. Their ownership group, if you haven't been paying attention to them, Natalie Portman, Jennifer Garner, Reese Witherspoon, Serena Williams, Serena Williams' daughter, Alexis Ohanian, uh, Ava Longoria, Sophia Bush. I mean, they've got some star-studded owners 
on their list and investors. And uh, I think it's going to really be a great thing for women's sports. And there's a lot of excitement around Angel City FC. So I'm excited to have Abby and Julie and Dawn on Sports Business Radio for the Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo on our November 17th show. Yeah, that's going to be a great show. It's always fun having something virtual, something people can see and hear. So uh, it's going to be a good show. And like you said, Angel City is going to just be on fire down there. I love the name. I love the ownership. It's going to be uh, a big push in LA market. So I'm excited for that. All right. Coming up next, Nigel Travis, the chairman of the board of Duncan Brands, also the chairman and co-owner of Leighton Orient FC. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. CBDMD is the official CBD partner of Sports Business Radio, and I couldn't be happier. Their products have made a huge difference in the quality of my life, my daughter's life, even our dog's life. I was having a difficult time sleeping, and CBDMD CBD PM drops and capsules have allowed me to sleep better than I have in years. CBD Freeze has been amazing for my daughter and I after we work out. Even our dog loves CBDMD's soft shoes. They've got a great array of products. And one of the things I like the most about CBDMD's products, they're all THC-free. That was very important to me. CBDMD is also the first American CBD company to be publicly listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Check them out under the ticker symbol YCBD. Athletes such as two-time Masters champion golfer Bubba Watson, former NFL wide receiver turned broadcaster Nate Burleson, and UFC athletes Daniel Cormier and Chael Sonnen use CBDMD's high-quality products. Change your quality of life just like I did. These are anxious times for a lot of us, and CBDMD's products have helped me sleep better and just live a, a higher quality of life. Visit CBDMD.com and enter the promo code SBR to save 25% off at checkout. That's CBDMD.com, promo code SBR. My guest is Nigel Travis. He is the executive chairman at Duncan Brands. He's also the joint owner and chairman of Leighton Orient Football Club. You can find him on Twitter at Nigel Travis. Nigel, how are you? Thanks for joining me. I'm very good, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I was looking forward to this interview. You're you're such a diverse person. Uh, let's start with a conversation about Leighton Orient Football Club. You grew up a huge fan of the O's, and now you're one of the owners of the team. That's got to be like a childhood dream come true. Well, it wasn't really a dream to own it, but uh, yeah, I first went in October 1959, 1-1 uh, at home to Sunderland, we had 16,000. It was uh, League Division 2, which is the equivalent right now of the championship. Uh, my dad's builder took me, and a love affair started, and it's gone on for 61 years. And I didn't ever expect to own the club, but uh, circumstances came around that way. I was very fortunate in business, and three and a half years ago, we got into a situation where uh, the previous owner was doing some not very good things. We'd gone down two divisions into the National League, which for your American listeners is below the Football League, the EFL. Uh, and we were nearly bankrupt. So we put a consortium together and we're building our way back. That's exciting. And, and it might it must be nice to help kind of restore some of that glory and, and build the team back. So the team is based in London, England, right? It's based in East London. We're about five miles from the center of the city. Uh, we're not far from the Thames. We're 2.2 miles from 
our neighbours and good friends at neighbor, uh, West Ham United, the ex-Olympic Stadium. Uh, so we're in a perfect spot. And it's, it's interesting. A lot of people come over from America. They bring teams or players or kids over. They come and see us. Uh, some of them train with us. And then they go off and do the sights in normal times uh, later in the day. Wow, that's great. I want to dig into more of the football talk in a moment. But the other thing that's amazing about you is you've worked for some iconic brands. So like I said at the top of the conversation, you are currently leading Dunkin' Brands. Uh, You've worked with Papa John's, Blockbuster, Burger King, all huge global brands. Nigel, in your opinion, what are the elements that make for a successful brand? I, I think if anyone's an expert to answer that question, it's you. Well, the first thing is I've had a philosophy all my life of working really hard but having fun at the same time, and I've been extremely fortunate throughout my career. I've loved everything I've done. So that's the first thing. The second thing is uh, clearly at Blockbuster, uh, most people think we were annihilated by Netflix. That was actually not quite true. We we actually launched uh, Blockbuster online, and uh, we competed very well. After I left, I hasten to add, uh, a activist investor came along, Carl Icahn, didn't believe in the internet, didn't believe in competing with Netflix, and he was the one who took us down the wrong path. But but the reason I tell that story quickly is you have to keep anticipating, you have to keep looking around corners to see what's happening, uh, and they didn't do that at the time. But one of the things I've tried to do is stay one step ahead. At Dunkin', we've been very good at anticipating trends, uh, we didn't anticipate COVID, I hasten to add, but our model has been very good during COVID because people are taking safety in their cars. They love the fact that they can go to Dunkin', which is extremely fast service. And then at Papa John's, where I've been back recently as a board consultant, they've done a terrific job with product innovation and delivery has done really well. So I think you have to stay ahead. You have to keep re-innovating. You have to tear down and build up again what you put in place. And it's this constant reinvention that I think is so key. So let me take that one step further. How do you stay one step ahead? You know, are you just talking to people every day? How do you, I had Mark Cuban on recently, and I think he's a visionary. He's someone who's thinking five, 10 years down the road. How do you stay ahead? Oh yeah, you. that's a good example. I mean, Mark used to come and see us at Blockbuster, but uh, what you do is you constantly read, you constantly listen, uh, you listen to podcasts, uh, you watch TV. I mean, I, I probably go through any one morning 30, 40 articles before I get going. Uh, I subscribe to numerous newspapers, uh, numerous podcasts. I'm out running, listening to podcasts. I'm thinking. Uh, you talk to people. Uh, I've, I'm very fortunate, despite the fact that I'm 70. I've got a 40-year-old, but a 15-year-old and a 13-year-old. So I listen to what they talk about, and we have some great debates. And, and, and I think if you go out and talk to enough people, read enough and listen enough, you'll, you'll quickly pick up with the trends. Yeah, that's great advice. I've been asking everyone on the show this year, what is the new normal going to look like? I mean, you just described the fact that Duncan and Papa John's are are well positioned even in COVID to continue to thrive. But as you're looking ahead, what do you think that new normal is going to look like? Because especially in retail, brick and mortar locations are decreasing and e-commerce is increasing. Well, you partly said it, but I think what you have to do, you have to make sure that 
people are getting very fast delivery. And it's interesting, another board I'm on, Advanced Auto, they've uh, created a new model this year, uh, which is same-day delivery, because if you're looking for a battery or something for your car, you, you don't want to wait until tomorrow or the next day. You want it that day. So they're doing same-day same delivery. Uh, at Dunkin', we managed to uh, take curbside, which we invented four years ago and blasted out to several thousand stores. So I think the new normal is that people are going to take safety in their cars. They're going to want very quick service where you go in and out. That's why curbside is so important, not only for restaurants, but also for retail. I think they want a very safe environment. And it's interesting. I go on a lot of restaurant websites, and I'm shocked how many have nothing, nothing about their processes or protocols about COVID. Mm. So I think, I think that is so important. You need to tell people what you're doing that's special. And even though they're somewhat struggling, I think the airlines are a good example of, of organizations that have really gone to great lengths to demonstrate they're safe. No, I would totally agree with you. And I also agree with you that there are a surprising number of businesses that are not communicating the COVID protocols. And that leads me to another question. So with sports, you know, when you're attending a game in person now, it's different here in America. You know, we're seeing a little bit of a return to that and there's the social distancing spacing and, you know, obviously everything's as touchless and, and cashless as possible, but you're ahead of the game over in, in London from where America is. How are some of those protocols going and what are those protocols? Well, okay, so the, the, the protocols are, are pretty brutal uh, and I think there should be testing every week. Unfortunately, that's been relaxed, but we're testing every week at our club uh, because we did have a COVID outbreak, so we've like gone to another level of protocols. Um, we have no fans because that's the situation in the UK, despite the fact that a lot of clubs, including our own, invested a lot in putting uh, the social distancing in place. It's kind of inconsistent because you can go and see a Premier League game in a cinema, but you can't go outside live and watch a game. Hmm. Now, so so I, th I think that's somewhat strange, and I've been pretty vocal, as have just about every other football chairman in the country, critical of the government's inconsistency with, with reacting to live football and, in fact, other sports. It's interesting, another one of my passions is the Miami Dolphins. I was watching their game yesterday against the Jets, and... You know, they had 15,000 in the stadium. Everyone looked very safe. And I think that's the way we have to go. You know, people, we're, we're brutal at Lake Orient. Everyone has to wear a mask, has to be socially distanced. But so far, we've not been allowed to have a crowd this season. And according to what the government said two weeks ago, we're still going to be doing that six months' time, which is a brutally difficult economic model. So how do you survive that economic model? Because I think that's what a lot of p people in your position, owners of teams, are, are wondering, like, if this goes on for another 6 to 12 months, is it a survivable situation? Complicated answer. So I'll try and keep it simple. The, 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 the bottom line fact is that this year uh, we went in with a budget. We then looked at COVID. We anticipated crowds coming back about Christmas. Uh, our budget was a an extra loss of 1.5 million when the government came out 
two weeks ago and said no crowds potentially for six months. We added £500,000 to that, so a loss of £2 million. The simple answer is we have to write checks ourselves. Now, to, to be honest, one of the things that we've been really good at, we've tried to be very innovative. We've got a, a world-class streaming service. So any of your listeners want to sign up for a Lake Orient uh, game, go to lakenorient.com. You'll find the streaming. We've got our own studio, uh, which is the Green Stream virtual studio. Uh, and we're very proud of it. I think no one else has got it in the bottom three divisions. We've also been very creative. We ran a FIFA game for 128 clubs around the world. Interestingly, two MLS clubs joined in. So, so we took a position that this is going to be a difficult year, two years. We have to keep our fans engaged. And, and in that tournament, as an example, we drew a game against uh, Moscow Dynamo and we had 13,000 fans on the Orient side watching the game. So I think that does demonstrate the strength of the e-gaming model, which is something we personally haven't yet capitalised on, but is is one of the things on our docket. We've also managed to engage our fans through regular fan forums. We've managed to come up with a loyalty programme for our season card holders, which despite all the circumstances, this year we've sold 3,500 season cards against last year's number of 4,300. Uh, we were well on the way to moving towards sustainability, which is, is the goal. And, and for your American listeners who don't know, 75% of EFL clubs lose money. We were well on the way to sustainability before COVID came along. But I truly believe that there is going to be a solution uh, you probably heard last week a, a big discussion and debate about a project called Project Big Picture. Um, essentially what that is, is a redistribution of the media rights for the Premier League and the EFL. I think in the end, uh, a lot of sane minds will come to a conclusion that that redistribution needs to take place and that will instantly make most clubs sustainable. So we're looking forward with, op- with optimism. We're not too perturbed by the fact we're writing checks because we can actually see a bright future for football and every football club. And I truly think that we will look back at COVID and say it was really difficult. It was very sad, but it was a game changer for football. Interesting. Well, I've got you talking economics. Explain to our American listeners how the salary cap in UK football works. Yeah, and I'll share Lake Orient's numbers with you. Um, So the big problem in English football is that effectively, uh, even though there were some restrictions on what you could spend, it was a very complicated formula. It was based on revenue, and some clubs took advantage of it by doing things like selling their stadiums back to themselves and using that as revenue. You could also include loans in the calculation. So compared with American sports, I do not think it was a straightforward hard salary cap as you see over here. A number of us campaigned for some time and then a very important event happened just about a year ago. Rick Parry, who was the first CEO of the Premier League, was appointed as chairman of the EFL. Rick came in with a real mandate to move to sustainability. And and I remember meeting with him last November He was totally on the journey of getting a salary cap. So 
give you some examples. Our budget from last year and this year for spending has been just over two million. Uh, the salary cap that was introduced in our division is 1.5. Uh, there is a transition year where some of the salaries that were on players who were pre-signed before the advent of the salary cap uh, uh, are red-circled uh, or grandfathered, to use the American phrase. Um, so we're well below the 1.5 when you take that into account. So the 1.5 will drive down the cost spent on, on salaries. There is also a squad number restriction. It also encourages the use of younger players under 21 because they're not taken into account in the calculation. And, and this is taken very seriously. Right after this call, uh, we have a board meeting at Leighton Orient to sign up on the salary cap. You know, we're signing in blood that these are the right numbers, which I think is also a good discipline. So the salary cap is critical. And I think outside help and support, be it from government, the Premier League, or other potential investors into the EFL, I think is going to be encouraged by the fact that we're finally, finally showing financial responsibility. That was outstanding. That's the best job anyone's ever done on this show of explaining uh, the salary cap in UK football. So thank you for that. It does help that you live here and <laughs> focused over there. But so, well, thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. If you're working from home now like I am, you still need to look professional. Many of us are doing Zoom conferences or FaceTime calls with business associates. That's why I turn to my mizzen and main dress shirts. I need to look good from the waist up, but I also want to be comfortable. Mizzen and main is like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for comfort while working from home. It's a shirt that has worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. Head on over to MizzenAndMain.com and use promo code SBR to get $10 off your dress shirt. That's MizzenAndMain.com code SBR. Guess what? Mizzen and Main also make super comfortable wrinkle-free pants and shorts, so you can check those out as well. Head on over to MizzenAndMain.com, use promo code SBR to get $10 off your next purchase. That's MizzenAndMain.com, code SBR. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. So I, I want to ask you something. When I knew I was going to have you on, I watched the show Ted Lasso on Apple Plus, and I love it. And it's based in AFC Richmond, um, you know, obviously a fictitious club as far as I know. But do you watch the show? I've seen every episode. Do you like it? And yeah, I mean, okay, my wife loves it. All our friends love it. Uh, and... Being buzz nationalities, I think it really does take off very well the funny side of Americans and the funny side of the Brits. I mean, some of the stuff that takes place in the dressing room, or put it in American language, the locker room, is, is typical. I mean, I've seen many of those situations, and obviously the show is exaggerated, and uh, like, like any show on TV, but I, I think it's captured it brilliantly. Uh, I think that the relationship between the fans and the club was captured outstandingly, the way they go into the pub and then they want to lynch him, have him fired, all that kind of stuff that happens regularly. Uh, you've got to remember that football is one, or soccer is one of the most passionate sports in the world. And I think right from 
a young age, we all learnt to love certain teams and dislike other teams. I mean, I I can remember in the playground as a kid, so this is going back into the 50s and 60s, um, you know, every playtime we'd have Orient versus West Ham or Orient versus Spurs uh, playing football with a tennis ball in the playground. And, and I really think that show captured it fantastically. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Coach Beard on the show, co-creator of the show, Brendan Hunt, was on with me a few weeks ago. And, you know, he said they built a replica pub that looks like the real pub. So they shoot the scenes in the replica pub, but then after they're shooting, they go to the real pub to have some fish and chips and, and things like that. So, but Richmond looks amazing. Well, Richmond is, and it's funny. When I was at Burger King, I ran Europe, Middle East, and Africa, and the UK headquarters was in Richmond, so they capture it very well. Uh, I'm hoping there's going to be a second series. My wife uh, has asked me several times, will there be a second series? And I think you could do a really great show of going for promotion, because if you remember, uh, there was a sad ending to the series, but they could have a really fascinating second series with the joy of promotion. Well, I'll give you the good news. There is a season two, so oh, it's, it's, it's official. They're, they're coming back with season two, so I would imagine that's going to be part of the storyline is how, does, you know, how do they get back up. So Yeah, but I think most of it was filmed at Crystal Palace, wasn't it? It was. Um, and, and I think that's an interesting thing that your listeners would be interested in. You know, one of, one of the things we've been pushing very hard at Lake Norian is coming from the business world, if you had a factory, a factory and a thing called capacity utilization is typically 70-80%. In the football world, the facilities are like 1%, so it's a totally uneconomic model. So we've been working very hard at Lake Norian to think how we can use our facilities much better. So we've done things, the obvious things like weddings, parties, funerals, which pre-COVID was, was a growth area because a lot of people want to have their final celebration of life uh, as something they're associated with, and a football club is an ideal place. Um, but we've also looked at co-working because as we come out of this, we think a lot of people won't want to commute to the office every day. They won't want to stay at home for either space reasons or the kids are at home or whatever. So we're looking at that. But what the most exciting thing is we've had a real increase in companies using our facilities for films, for commercials. Uh, and that's made us think that we will probably invest in a new pitch field uh, in the near future. We've currently got a grass field. I think we'll probably move to a hybrid field like all the Premier League clubs have got which means we can use it more often. We can perhaps even consider ground sharing with another sport. But the whole essence of sustainability that we were working on before is not only to grow the fan base, uh, but also to utilize our facilities much more efficiently than we've ever done before. That's interesting. Um, and that is a really, I, I've never had anyone on this show talk about how they utilize their sports venue for for funerals before but if you think about it if, if that's someone's last celebration and they're a diehard fan of a team i guess that makes some sense yeah it does and it's interesting you know i've been very lucky in my life i've got to know a lot of good people jerry jones good friend dallas cowboys owner 
I remember when he was pla planning the new stadium. I mean, they really thought very hard and seriously and well about how they could use all the facilities. And last time I was down there, which sad to say was some time ago, they had a pretty strong occupancy rate. And then here in Boston, the Red Sox do the same. And at Gillette, uh, the Patriots do the same as well. So I, I think this is a very strong American trend. And I think English soccer has to do a much better job with it. So Jerry Jones, interesting example of, of one of the things I was going to bring up. So we talked early in the interview. You've been a lifetime fan of the team that you now own. Jerry Jones, very involved in every personnel decision for the Dallas Cowboys. What's the fine line of, I love my team, I own my team, but I also need to let the experts figure out player personnel moves? Okay, that's a great question. So so I'm, I'm very lucky that I've managed lots of excellent people in my career and pretty senior people and now sit on several boards where you get involved. So you, you have to give them the room. You have to try and detach. That's, that's obvious. And it's how you do it, I think, counts. So I'll give you an example. We unfortunately lost on Saturday. I had a conversation with our director of football yesterday. And, and I said exactly as I would at, at Duncan or other places. I said, okay, so here's some comments from board members. And I went through three or four points of what board members said. I said, I don't want to discuss it. I want you to think about these points. And they were points like, did we move too many people around? Were we playing people in the right position? Etc. And I think what you do is you have to do it in a dispassionate way. You have to write it down. And sure, I sit in front of every game, which obviously I watch on a computer. And, and as a fan, I get up and celebrate the goals. And when we let them in, I'm somewhat sad. But you then have to get professional. You have to detach yourself. But you have to be involved, but recognize you've hired people to do a job. And, and it's no different from streaming. Uh, our streaming service was set up really by my oldest son who works in broadcasting. Hmm. And he's done a spectacular job. But it doesn't stop the board criticizing or commenting, albeit in a constructive way, as to how you make that streaming service better. I mean, it, we have a wonderfully engaged board with three people based here in the U.S., one in Texas, one in Colorado, and me here in Boston. And then the other three are over there. And it's another interesting point that comes out of this, Brian, is our board has three people who are essentially 40 and three people who are in their 50s or 60s. I think it's a real lesson for boards in public companies because the mix of young and generational jump to the older works fantastically well. So we try and stay professional. We all have a view, but we all try and make it very consistent across the whole business. No, I like that. I, I really agree with the diversity and the age mix because I think older people can learn from younger people and younger people can learn from older people. There, there's If you just have an echo chamber and everyone the same age or everyone the same background, you're just talking to yourselves. There's, there's no doubt about it. And I'm sure you noticed I've, I wrote a book called The Challenge Culture uh, about how companies uh, run on foot pushback and, um, Notice the run, which goes back to Duncan. Uh, you know, my whole approach has always 
looking to take out layers in an organization at Lake Orient. We have uh, bi-weekly employee meetings. The players are employees, so they attend these meetings, all done obviously on Zoom. And the players are encouraged to say what they think. They're encouraged to come up with ideas, not about team selection, because that's the head coach's job, but about the club. We tell them all about the finances. But the, the most important thing, they don't call me chairman. They call me Nigel. It's a, it's a very American approach to it. And I think what it's done is flatten the organization, make everyone much more accessible. And we're, we're all in it together. So uh, I'm, I'm pleased with the culture we've created. It's not for everyone. It's not how most football clubs are run. But it seems to work for us because despite all the problems of in the last two years, losing our head coach after he got promotion, he died suddenly. Uh, then COVID came along. Then we had our own COVID crisis at the club. We still believe we're well on track to get back to League One, which is the goal we set when we bought the club. Yeah, no, that's great. And you're right. No one could have predicted what was coming. So, you know, we're all just doing the best we can to deal with it. Before I let you go, I, I want to go back to some of the amazing brands that you've represented. Again, Duncan, Baskin Robbins, Papa John's, Burger King, Blockbuster. When I'm looking at some of the food stuff now, I've been reading a lot, for instance, about how a lot of the restaurants are going to plant-based options as well. And I'm just looking at things like that, trying to figure out like what's the next generation of restaurants look like. We talked earlier about curbside service and grab-and-go and, and things like that. But um, you sit at that seat and you're thinking about this every day. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting example you start with plant-based foods i mean you know i'm a typical older american i'm on all, all the pills that you, you get in this country including cholesterol tablets and my doctor suggested two years ago i move more to plant-based foods to try and reduce the high cholesterol uh and i've tried very hard to follow that sometimes it's difficult uh but obviously at Dunkin' we came out uh, with a plant-based uh, um Breakfast Sandwich, um, Beyond was the brand. There's, there's two brands out there, Impossible and Beyond. Uh, you can buy those in stores. I sometimes have Beyond burgers at home when we're on the barbecue. So I think that's a big trend. I think people are also looking for more diversity in beverages. And certainly at Dunkin' we've done that. And I think it's kind of interesting that one of the things I've learned from Duncan and indeed another board I sit on, Abercrombie & Fitch, is social media, which is so different from when I started working, is so critical. Uh, TikTok has obviously been a big driver and it's been very successful for both Abercrombie and, 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 and Duncan. And then associating the people who drive TikTok, we've, we've got some influencers there with some, some products, I think it's a way forward. I think if you go back 10 years, everyone was on, if you like, the light fare. That seems to have eased, but I think people are still very conscious of not heavy, uh, not eating too much heavy food. And by the way, before anyone says anything or thinks it, you know, you can delight yourself with a donut, which is, I think it's, it's balance. And uh, I think coming up with creative products is what we try and do. Uh, Duncan does a great job of going out and, looking at the consumer. Papa John's have done a good job of doing that as well. And I think innovation really does drive success. 
Well, you have an amazing background, executive chairman at Duncan Brands, joint owner and chairman of Leighton Orient Football Club. You can follow Nigel Travis at Nigel Travis. This has been eye-opening for me, and I know it will be for our audience as well. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Well, Brian, thank you, and I'd encourage anyone who wants to sign up and become a follower, as I did 61 years ago, go to LeightonOrient.com. Thank you so much. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. There's no question that live sports and entertainment events are changing as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. To ensure a strong recovery that keeps fans safe and engaged, sports venues are reimagining game day with Boingo's 5G connectivity solutions. Boingo Wireless helps partners across the NFL, NBA, MLS, and NCAA redefine the in-venue experience with 5G-ready cellular and Wi-Fi 6 networks that power new touchless technologies. From contactless ticketing and security and in-app food ordering, to IoT robotics for cleaning and maintenance, Boingo's backbone of wireless connectivity makes new stadium use cases possible. Choosing a digital transformation partner you can trust is key to achieving fan experience goals and following rigorous health and safety protocols. Boingo is the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. They help world-class venues navigate a complex and ever-changing technology landscape and have done so for 20 years. I recently had Austin FC President Andy Lochnane on Sports Business Radio. Here's what he had to say about Boingo, Austin FC's 5G partner. A relatively competitive process led to a relatively easy decision. The decision to go with Boingo was one that came with a lot of comfort and confidence. Now more than ever, staying connected is what matters most, and Boingo makes it all possible. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. If you need a trusted partner for your network and digital transformation needs, look no further than Boingo. Learn more by visiting boingo.com or emailing sbradio at boingo.com. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends from Boingo Wireless, CBDMD, and Mizzen in Maine. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.